You're listening to the podcast of River of Life Christian Fellowship in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. Well, this is the, the Wednesday night that we've talked about for quite a few Wednesdays. Um, we're, we are used to doing this in a 13-week quarter uh, from where, we, where we're used to be, and so we're trying to uh, we're not going to try to do it in the 13 weeks because doing it in 13 weeks, we, we, every week we had two hours of just straight teaching for 13 weeks. and So we're going like, to cut it up in half and stretch it out a little longer. Uh, but this, what we're going to begin to talk about this week and the weeks to come on Wednesday night. Now there's one Wednesday night we're not going to be here. I uh, need to know that. We're going to uh, let people know ahead of time, but on on the 28th of this month, uh, we're going to go over, at least I'm going, y'all can come here if you want to, I guess. <laughs> I guess y'all can have church here. <laughs> I'm going to go over to Victory Life and listen to Andrew Walmack. And uh, I don't know, has anybody ever heard of Andrew Walmack before? Okay, you never heard of Andrew Walmack? You need to hear of Andrew Walmack. Andrew Walmack uh, is almost a good friend of mine. Uh, he, he just doesn't know me yet. <laughs> uh, no, I've, I've met him, but I ran across his ministry many years ago. We were teaching Grace, Peace, Christ, Righteousness, the finished work of Calvary uh, for about 10 years, and then we ran across his ministry. It was like everything that we had been teaching, he was saying, but he had been doing it for 30 years. You know, it was like, oh my goodness, uh, to run across somebody in the ministry that had the same uh, insight and, and, and had done it for many years longer than we had well, it was just extremely motivating for us. And he's going to be here in town. Now, he, his ministry is huge. Uh, he has, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but he was the first minister that I ever knew of that gave his, that wasn't a business. He gave his tapes away free for those that didn't have any money that never stopped him from giving people the gospel even to this day he gives his ministry away free uh, at his conferences uh, he doesn't charge for the conference you come you register you're treated like any, everybody else and it's just a wonderful thing and uh, he has people that support his ministry and he passes that blessing on for that purpose you know ministry is not about the money you know the money promotes the ministry and that's too cool for words right there too cool for words so anyway that's uh, july 28th at victory life uh i don't know how i'm gonna do it but i'm i will be getting some front row seats somehow so all right you talk to the way and get me get us a, get our church some front row seats oh i'll remind you many more times many more times also, on as of right now, on September the 3rd, we're going to have a, what do we want to call it, a rally, a town hall meeting. A town hall meeting. Uh, uh, we met with some people today that uh, are tremendous uh, men and women of God that want to, uh, that are representing the, the gospel in government. I guess I can say it that way. Amen. They're representing the gospel in the government. And uh, uh, it's exciting to uh, it's exciting to be a part of that. Uh, there we could have anywhere from a hundred to three hundred people here 
on September the 3rd. That's a Friday night at 7 o'clock. Oklahoma State Senate, uh, and it's just more, I mean, just, he's just, he's good, they're good people, and uh, good godly people, and uh, as he explained it to me, it's not government he's running for, he's not running, running for politics, he's running for the truth of the word, spread the message, it just happens to be in government, so, Will it be over there, over here? it'll be over here, we'll have every chair we got out. Hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll be done with all that out there. Sure could use some help if you got no. <laughs> Now you have to pronounce his last name. I'm not, I didn't even look at his card. I wasn't even going to go there. Josh Wait a minute. Brashen. I can't say it. <laughs> what is it, Chris? You. Josh Brasheen. Brasheen. That's what he said. Brasheen. Oh, really? Yes. What, they're they're going to be here? Yeah, he's going to. He's got people from all over the area that'll be here, so it'll be a good time for us just to let everybody know that we're we're just not sitting back doing nothing, but we're going to be a part of what's going on in this area. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, this series that we're starting on Wednesday nights now is called Heart Physics. It literally is. Uh, it's painless, permanent, positive transformation. Uh, tonight, we're, we're probably going to have two nights of introduction before we start getting in some, but we, get, we have to lay a foundation before we start getting into some of the biblical topics that we're going to talk about, because the foundation means everything. If you don't understand the foundation of what we're talking about, the rest of the information won't do you any good. Matter of fact, let's talk about the word information. I don't have any more juice. My batteries are low. Can everybody hear me? Okay. The gospel does not work by quoting information. The power of God does not operate in your life because you quote scripture. God is a heart God. Everybody understand that? God doesn't necessarily want to affect our outside. Everything God does is to affect our heart. Does everybody understand that? God speaks to you trying to get to your heart. What happens around you, signs, wonders, and miracles, is to get to your heart. God wants to commune with us. God, God's life is, it happens from our heart. There's a couple verses you're going to hear over and over and over again uh, some we've talked about in the past, we're going to talk about them again, uh, but they're, they're foundational for the understanding of the heart message. Okay? Most Christianity and most, most churchdom is the accumulation of intellect, the accumulation of knowledge. Knowledge won't do you any good unless it's applied in your heart. I'm going to read a scripture, and I want everybody to turn there because you just uh, we'll talk about it more in detail. But... Uh, and hopefully it'll be the last scripture we talk about. But in the book of Ephesians, I want you to see what it says here. Ephesians chapter 3. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter... Yeah, Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14. Now this is a Bible study on Wednesday night. If, if you have a Bible, please... 
uh, turn to the pages because I want you to read in your Bible. You need to know what we're talking about is in the Word of God. We're going to be talking about things like meditation. How many people have ever been in a church where they had a Bible study that taught you how to meditate? I don't see any hands. Why not? The Bible says to meditate on God's Word. But we don't know what it means to meditate. We think hippies. You know, we think, you know, blank out your mind and, and just whatever comes in, come No. The Bible tells us how to meditate. The Bible instructs us to meditate. And the world has taken a word, changed it to something else, and the church has backed off of it because the world grabbed it. Well, you know, I, I can show you a group of people right now that refuse to put rainbows in the nursery because uh, the gay community has, has adopted the rainbow as one of their signs. And so they won't put it in their nursery anymore. Well, God gave us the rainbow as a sign that He won't ever flood the earth again. I'm not going to refuse to look at rainbows. You know, give me some kind of break, okay? Look at verse 14 here in Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father and of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man now we can stop right there for a second and we know it's not I that liveth but Christ that lives where in me is what the scripture says well we're going to start off by putting this on the board we've done this before but for those that hadn't seen it, we're going to do it again. You are a trichotomy. You're made up of three parts. You're made up of a spirit, this being a spirit, this being a soul, and this being your body. You're a trichotomy. You can draw it this way if you'd like. Spirit, soul, and body. Okay? But this right here helps you understand what we're going to be talking about. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. And your spirit man, when you got saved, your spirit man changed. Your nature changed. At one time, you were, your nature was that you were children of wrath and disobedience. You had an evil nature. When you got saved, you got what? Born again. You were born into Christ. Your nature's changed. You're not a... How many people here are sinners saved by grace? Don't raise your hand. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner that was saved by grace. Now you're saved by grace. You're a saint that may have a sin problem, but your sin doesn't make you a sinner. Jesus made you righteous before God, and it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. He lives in the realm of your spirit, man. Old things have passed away. All things have become what? New. Okay? Uh, and now, because we have a terminology problem in churchdom, we say that we're going soul winning. You're really not going soul winning. Actually, this is soul winning. When you renew your mind, it's a process of saving your soul. Paul said this, We are not of those who draw back to destruction or go back under the law, but we are those who press on to the saving of our soul. That's Hebrews 6.39, I believe. So, you know, our soul is something that's always being saved. It talks about the renewing of the mind. 
The soul encompasses your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and your will. That's what it, that really is what your soul is. Now, you're, we're not going to go with this into detail, but your flesh is touch, taste, sight, smell, and hearing, the five senses. That's just a brief understanding of spirit, soul, and body, and we've talked about that in the weeks past, so we're not going to go in detail. But the area right here is the area we're going to be talking about because this is not a class on intellect or information. This is a class on the heart. The heart is the area that the soul and the spirit have in common. God is a heart God. It is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives. All right. Now that we've said that, we're going to keep reading this passage of Scripture. It says this, verse 17, that Christ, well, let's, we can't do that. Let's go back to uh, 16. That He would grant you according to the riches of His glory. Stop right there. According to, that He may grant to us according to His riches and glory. What he's about ready to do to you is not according to what you have, but it's according to what he has. Does everybody understand that? You know, uh, in other words, it's never ending. There's all, it's, it's, it's not according to any other thing than, than everything. But let's go right here and says this, according to his riches and glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Does everybody see that? So Christ lives in our spirit but the only way that he can affect our heart our, our life over here the only way he can affect your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your will the only way he can affect your the only way he can really relate to you, the only way you can really relate to him is by faith. What's it say? It says right there it's too cool that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. faith. See, once you get saved, Christ is here. But the only way that He affects your heart is that if you have faith. In other words, if you don't have faith that God or Jesus is your healer, you won't experience healing in your heart. If you don't experience in your heart, you're not going to experience it in your flesh. What's it say in the book? It, Paul says, or John says this, I pray that you prosper and be in health even as you... In other words, I pray that you prosper and be in health out here as your soul prospers. So in other words, there's a prosperity. There has to be faith. See, Christians have intellect for Scripture. They really, a lot of people don't believe Scripture. And the reason I say that is this. The Bible says if you believe something, you'll see the evidence of it. I don't know about you, but there's lots of things in my life that I have believed for and I've never got them. Can anybody join my boat, jump in my parade? You know what I'm saying? Have you ever believed for something and never got it? And you question the Word? It's not the Word. The issue is the heart. The issue is the heart. This right here is the issue of your life. In heart physics, we're going to talk about reality. 
some of the very same laws that govern physics. What's the, law, the first law of physics? For every action, there's the opposite and equal reaction. Okay? Just like a jet airplane, there's thrust that goes backwards and there's thrust that goes forwards. Okay? Uh, we're going to talk about the laws of physics in here because the same laws of physics, the laws of physics also govern the, the, the laws of the physics of the heart. If, in other words, the first law of physics in your heart works this way. If you tell yourself, we'll get this in more detail. This just if you tell yourself that you, you need to become a good Christian. Now, that sounds like a good statement, doesn't it? Everybody in their mind says, well, I need to become a good Christian, so I better go to church. See, you tell yourself you need to become something, you've just told yourself that you're not something. And the same effort energy that you're trying to convince yourself that you need to become something, you're, you're reassuring yourself that you're not, and thus you get this cycle of failure. You get this cycle, this system. Has anybody ever gotten in that cycle of, of failure before? You know, where you, you try, you can do it this good. You, you try to do good, you keep doing good until you get too tired, and, and it's just a vicious cycle. You go around and around and around. Sixty years later, you're still trying to overcome the same things that you tried to overcome when you first got saved. You know what I'm saying? Or we can do it this way. You know, you're doing this and you're going up. Well, then you start doing this. You know, as soon as you quit trying... See, what, this, what heart physics is, is all about is, see, there's three different forms of, I don't want to use the word change. There's three different ways to change. One is multiplication or adding. You add two. And the other way, one is subtracting, taking away. You add things that are good, and you take away things are bad. All those, both those areas of adding and taking away all deal with your ability to keep the process going. It takes self-effort. Self-effort is good, but it is only as good as long as you have the ability to perform. You understand? The moment you get too tired or something stronger than your ability comes up, you run into failure. You understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Say, say you're trying to do something in your own ability, uh, and you just keep trying and trying and trying. And you keep trying it, and you you, you keep you're going. To, something something's bigger than you. Some some circumstance of life comes up and slaps you upside the head, and then you fall backwards. You have to start all over again, right? And that cycle keeps going because you're doing it all according to the outside. You're and all this is, and they call this in in counseling or what or. It's just behavior modification. All you're trying to do is change the way to the change the effects of your behavior. And really, all you're doing is you're not changing. You're still that person on the inside. The Bible says, you ever heard the scripture talks about the Ethiopian or the leopard? Can a leopard change his spot? You know, I think it says that in Deuteronomy. It's talking about the leopard changing his spot. And it says, no, you can't change. The leopard can't change his spots. The Ethiopian can't change the color of his skin. You really don't have the power to change yourself. But remember, there's three things. There's add addition and subtraction. 
Those are all things that change from the outside. The one we're going to focus on on the next many, many weeks is what is known the power of being. It's called transformation. Instead of focusing like we have all our life on what I can do, this, 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 and being disciplined and trusting my strength, my ability, my power, what we're going to do on Wednesday night is focus in what's been done for us, who we are in Christ Jesus. Adam was the first human being, not doing. There is a power that is inside each and every one of us. There is a power that was placed there when you got saved. It's called God. You've been trying to become like Jesus on the outside instead of becoming Jesus because you already are Jesus on the inside. So in this next, next few weeks and months, we're really going to focus in on the power of being. So before we go any further, let's turn to Romans. Romans chapter 1, and we're going to start this process. Again, this is going to be introduction for next, uh, I know for this week and next week also. Romans chapter 1. And please, this is, if you have any questions as we go along, please just ask them away. If, if I don't know the answer, I know people who do know the answer. And if I can't find anybody know the answer, I'll just make something up. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Romans chapter 1. It says here in I want to I want to read 16. I'm going to go ahead and read 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Say amen. Amen. Are you ashamed of the gospel? I hope not. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power. See, the gospel is power in itself. If you've been, list, been listening to theology, uh-oh, theology is not gospel. Theology has no power in it. Theology is intellect. It's accumulation of information. Depending on the man you listen to, depends on the theology you hear. The truth of the gospel is power. You've got to know that. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who, what? Believes. That doesn't mean just put the information in your head. Believing is an aspect of your heart. Scripture says, if you believe in your heart... You can't believe in your head. You have to believe in your heart. Mm. If to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. See, in the gospel, righteousness is revealed, not more law. How many people have heard more law when they came under theology? Okay, That's why you heard law, because you were hearing theology. Doctrine. The gospel produces righteousness from God. It reveals His righteousness in spite of yours. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. We won't get into that. That's powerful. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and uncleanness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. 
Now here's the verse we want to look at. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. How did God show Himself to these people? Let's go and read. For since the creation of the world, His and visible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What this is saying is this, that from the beginning of creation, everybody say nature. nature. When God said, let there be, from that beginning, and everything that was made, it says, right there, everything that was made, God put what was invisible into the visible. God put Himself and the way He is in nature. Why is that a big deal? Because in nature, it is in... See, physics, the, 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 a rough definition of physics is this, the way nature works. That's the brief de definition of physics. I add a little bit to that. I, since God made nature, I said the way God made nature to work. Okay? Let me give you an example. See, in this world that we live in, when a male plants a seed into a female, it produces fruit. It produces offspring. Things come forth. Okay? Now, we know that's true. That, that, that's just a, that's the way nature works. Well, in the Word of God, it makes it plainly see that the Spirit is mentioned as He the Spirit, the Spirit He, and it talks about the soul. He the Spirit and she the soul. The scripture says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Every time the Spirit's mentioned, it's a feminine tense, and every time the soul is mentioned, it's a, a feminine. This is a masculine tense and a feminine tense. Excuse me. Okay? Now, y'all should just slap me. Said, okay? I was going to wait till you finished and then. <laughs> There'll be more little slips like that, too, trust me. So, but see, when, but what's the scripture say? The scripture says, when the Spirit, the Word of God, plants his seed into the heart. Everybody know the parable of the soils? The sower? The seed is the Word of God. When the seed is planted into the heart of man, the, the she, it produces what? 30, 60, and 100 fold return of the word. It produces. See, the way that nature works is the same way that God works. So, what this tells us is this the further we get away from things that are natural, the harder it will be for us to conceive and comprehend the things that are God. Try it sometime. Just go sit by the pond. Just go sit outside and watch the clouds and get at peace in your heart. You will begin to experience. I'm not saying don't uh, technology's bad, but don't forget nature. And I'm not saying not, don't, I'm not saying go out and be a naturalist, eat pine cones, Yule Gibbons. Pe pe you know what I'm saying? But don't 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 leave. God put nature there so we would be without an excuse. Because we really can see Him in nature if we're looking. The more you understand about nature, the more you understand about God. That's why I was saying, you know, the, 
you know, just about uh, physics. If you understand physics and the laws of physics, you'll understand the laws of your heart. Now, there's a whole teaching on how your heart works. That's not what we're talking about. Literally, what we're going to be able to do in the weeks to come, you will be able to reprogram yourself. You'll be able to take the Word of God, take out the things that aren't godly in your life, and put in things that are. And it won't be because of what you're doing on the outside. It's not, this is going to be the, I, I know you don't, you, you hadn't experienced this yet, but some of you will come back in, in six months from now and realize the changes that have taken place in your life were so, you didn't even realize what was taking place, but God was do, doing a work in you. Turn to Philippians, keep your finger, uh, no, turn to Philippians 1, 6. Need to see what Paul says about this. Once there's a seed of this word that starts developing in you, it's over. You might as well sit back and relax. Philippians 1 6. We're starting with verse 3. It says this I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making mention or making requests for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from this day until now, being confident of this very thing, that He, God, who has begun a good work in you, He will perform it. Is that what your Bible says? Mm -hmm. It's not about you performing the acts of discipleship. Now, you will perform the acts of discipleship, but it's about that should be a response according to what God's doing on the inside of you. See, Paul had a confidence. There was something happened in my life when I got confident. I saw this verse years and years ago. And it just slapped me up outside the head because I'd been trying, going to Bible school, trying to be something that, you know, trying to become a good Christian. And the harder I tried, the further I fell. Am I alone in the boat again? Don't raise your hand. Look at all you chickens out there. Not raise your hand. <laughs> the harder I tried, the harder I fell. The more I held up the law, the more I broke them. And that's just what the Bible says. The law gives power to the sin in your life. You hold up the law, you're going to sin more than you ever sinned before. Because you're trying in your own ability. You're trying in your own power. And you'll find out that Paul's message to the, the Gentiles is all about understanding who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. And it's that power. There's something about a confidence knowing that He's working in you whether you feel it or not. Do you have that kind of confidence? You know what I'm saying? You need to know every day, you need to know and tell yourself, God's working in me. If you just said that, if you were to say, write it on your mirror, God's working in me today. When you go to sleep at night, say, God's working in me tonight while I sleep. You tell yourself, what's really going on. You know why? Because that's what's really going on. 
But as we read the first verse we read, the only way you're ever going to experience the gospel, the only way you're going to experience the power of God is for you to believe it in your heart. You're, you can have, how many people, now we're talking about all the other people we know at other churches because I know we got it all together, right? <coughs> so yeah, we're, we're not picking on anybody in this room because we know all of us got everything together. But, you know, there's people that go to other churches. Can you believe this or not? There's people that go to other churches that got saved and that's, all they got. They, got they, they just got saved and hadn't really lived a life, good or bad, or just, they just got saved, but there hasn't been any other changes in their life ever since then. Why? See, because they had Jesus, Jesus lived in their spirit, they got born again, but they never had faith to apply the gospel in their heart. What part of the gospel are you missing in your heart? And I believe a lot of us, there's one simple truth, and there's a simple truth, there's one scripture that this whole subject, all Christianity, in my opinion, rotates around one scripture. If you can get one scripture in your heart, if there's one thing that you have faith for, if there's one thing that you tell yourself every morning, if there's, I used to, I've been through this program probably three or four times where it's a 30-day thing of just bombarding your, your, your heart. It's, it, there, there's a secret place out there. We're going to talk about the secret place. Oh, let me tell you, church, you, there, there's a secret place that just you and Jesus can meet. You don't have to tell anybody about it. And literally, I've got a secret place that I can go to. It all happens during meditation. And you can develop a, a secret place that in the, in the moment, in, within a, just a flash of a moment, I can stop no matter what the situation, and I can close my eyes, and I can go see Jesus in that secret place where He tells me He loves me, and I tell Him I love Him, and I feel Him hug me. That's what this can do for heart. And when you get that in your heart and experience that in your life, hey, doctrine, denomination, religion, it won't affect you. You, you can't take that from me. That's real, okay? But turn to Colossians. This one verse, is, it, it can, if there's any other verse, I believe the truth of the gospel centers on this verse. I believe your life experience in God centers around this one verse. The book of Colossians. This is the truth that's probably above any other truth. Well, I'm building this up, aren't I? Well, that's good. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. And here's that mystery. Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory where is Christ this heart all this stuff we're talking about only works if you have faith enough to believe if you don't have faith enough to believe that Christ is in you none of this will make any sense you'll walk out of here going that's just a bunch of new age stuff but listen if you've got faith to believe that it's no longer I that liveth but Christ that lives in me and just not that 
But the scripture says, Christ in me is the hope of glory. Wow. See, there is, see, all, you, all of our, excuse me, the people that go to other churches, you know, all of our lives we have tried to trust our ability to get the job done. We tried to trust what I could do, the, the, how much Bible study can I, it's not how much Bible, I, I, I tell you what, you study the Bible, you go to all the seminaries you want to, you show me one person that gets this one verse in their heart, they'll change more of the world for God than all the people, all the seminaries put together. Christ in me. <clears throat> and what, hopefully what we're going to do in this class is, is turn your dependency your confidence is going to be on the fact that He's in you working His will, working His way, performing what He wants to perform instead of you trying to do it. How many people have thought they knew what God's will was? And how many times have we changed our mind? Or His mind, or whoever's mind it was? Circum you know, a lot of us are circumstantial. You know, God's will is circumstantial. Huh, the job that pays the most, that's God's will. Yeah, until you get in it and find out you're going to get fired. No, I mean, or it's, it, circumstances don't dictate God's will. Good things don't mean it's God. Bad things don't mean it isn't. Okay? We're not circumstantially led anymore. We're Holy Spirit led. And the Holy Spirit is leading us. Before He's leading you to change the world and take the king. He wants you to know it's Christ in you. The hope of glory. Because when you can start trusting what He has already done and who you already are, that will change your life. You know, this is so powerful. I know you've heard this before, but we're going to say it again. In the book of Matthew chapter 3, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. Everybody know the story? He gets baptized by John the Baptist. Uh, Verse 1, chapter 4, he gets led out into the desert by the tempter to be tempted for 40 days. At the end of his 40 days of walking in the desert, not drinking and, and not eating, he comes upon a stone and the tempter comes to him and says what? If you be the Son of God, turn this rock into bread. And what does Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. The temptation wasn't to get Jesus to turn the rock into bread and eat. The temptation was to get him to prove who he was by what he did instead of what God said about him. See, he had just heard that God say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus didn't have to do anything to prove it. He knew it in his heart. In the book of Peter, 2 Peter, it says that when Jesus heard those words from heaven, Jesus received value and dignity. Oh, church, when, when, when you can get your value and when you know that your self-worth is based on because of what you've heard, that you're a child of God, when you know that you're a king's kid, that you're part of royalty, sin will begin to fall off your flesh. It will be easy to overcome. Because there will be a power inside of you that you've never experienced before. Been there the whole time. Been there the whole time. Ever since Jesus came in, God's ability is called grace. That's why Paul said, His grace is sufficient for me. Not what Paul did. 
not the adolescent, you know, not all the, what people said about him. You know, if you know who you are in Christ, you're going to be able to be rejected by anybody and still love them. When you go to work, you're going to be working because you're doing it as unto God, not as unto man. Oh, come on. See, there is a power inside of you. There's something, and it's just waiting, it's, it's, it's just waiting to come on. It's, that's why the scripture says to work out your salvation, to take what's happened in your spirit, get it to affect your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your will, and you're going to see the, ref, the results of it in your flesh. But it first has to get into your heart. And most every one of us, our heart, let me show you the scripture, 2 Peter. By the way, I am nowhere close to my notes. <laughs> Dang it, it happens every time. First, first Peter, First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. Don't get ahead of us. Well, I... Do not... Do not... Do not uh, ver, uh, 3 verse 3. Chapter 3 verse 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Everybody look up here at the little picture. Don't let it be this. The flesh. What's it say? Rather, let it be the hidden person in the... Everybody say it. Did the Bible just tell you that there was a hidden person in your heart? That is the real you. That is the real you. That is the real you... That when you were in your mother's womb, you may have heard that you weren't wa you weren't wanted. You're were a mistake. Uh, what you may have heard your mom and daddy fighting. You were hearing this while in your mother's womb. There were things said to you in first grade, second grade, and third grade that formed your personality. You became what you are today because of what happened around you. Does everybody understand that? Some of us have a fear of rejection and don't, aren't real open and charismatic with people because you were rejected as a child and you got hurt and so you were withdrawn. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? Some of us quit trying to do things because we have what we call a fear of failure because you failed so much in life and every time you failed, you were ridiculed for it and you were chastised for it, and you were told you were no good, and so you don't want to feel any worse about yourself, so you don't try no more. We reading anybody's mail in here tonight? That is, see, most of us, see, every one of us, you need to hear this, every one of us is born an original. Most of us will die a copy. Most of us are living up to what someone else expects on the outside instead of really finding out who you are on the inside finding out what God has what's God what is God doing in here you were created for a purpose there's a reason most of us don't even have the slightest idea why we were birthed into this world and we're just 
going to work, paying bills, and one day going to die. The graveyard is full of books, inventions, patents, companies that never were existed, people that were never blessed, money that was never made in the cemetery just wasted because people never found out who they were in Christ. Missionaries, people to be saved, ministries, to, I mean, who knows what's, what value is in the cemetery because people never found out who they were. The Bible says right here in 1 Peter that it's not about the adornment here. It's not about you taking care of this. It's about you taking care of this. Take care. Find out. Fix that hidden person in your heart. Jesus came to heal the what? Broken? God is a heart God. Everything that you do in life needs to be from your heart. All faith comes out of your heart. It will only affect you. All the intellect. How many people know somebody that knows a lot about the Bible, but you can't see any evidence of it in their life? You know anybody that way? Why? Because they haven't received it in their heart. They received it in their head. They have accumulated intellect, and that's the curse of being a Western in the Western world. We've accumulated, we're intellect, we just gather information. One verse, Christ in me. Oh, there is so much power and freedom in that, the hope of glory. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4. Well, I'm only the pastor. <laughs> now, and I, I, I'm going to share this out loud. He, he happens to be here, but I share it all the time anyway. I'm going to talk about my son. hope he doesn't mind. He's, he's usually not here to defend himself. Oh, boy, I got some stuff. I'll talk about it all now. Uh, I remember the day... Yeah, I remember the day when, when we were pushing him. We were in... In the Minnesota area, he was just a young, he was still fitting in the little front part of the cart and the, 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 good, old days. the good old days. You know, his little feet fit through the grocery cart. And uh, I were pushing, buying groceries and everything, and I looked down and he had a caramel in his hand. I, I saw the caramel in his hand, unwrapped. And in his mouth, I think he had two or three of them, but yeah, <laughs> caramel, dude, you know, And he just couldn't put that one in there, you know. And I, I said, Christopher, I look back like that, and we just passed those. That's when they had the candy in the great big round bins like this. And I just walked a little too close, and he just got him some caramels and started shoving them in, you know. And I just looked hungry. Should have fed him. And I, and I said, Christopher, where'd you get those caramels? And he just like, I said, and I looked back there, and I said, Christopher, that's stealing. Cokers don't steal. And you're a coker. Now, unless, unless I've missed a whole lot out of his life, I don't think he's ever stole a caramel again. <laughs> now, he could have pulled the wool over my eyes, but I, don't have a, I didn't raise a thief, you know, because, you know, because he identified not stealing with who he was. Oh, I'm a coker, so I don't steal. I should have said, Christopher, cokers make millions of dollars <laughs> and take care of their daddy all their life. <laughs> And send their daddy fishing to Canada. That's what cokers do. You know? 
That's what I should have said. See, I could have probed him. No. But see, once you know who you are in Christ, so a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you think that you're not a Christian or good enough Christian, or you think you can do something on the outside to make yourself better, you're just ratifying the fact that you're not. But if you know in your heart who you are in God, that Christ lives in you, and it's the hope of glory, no weapon formed against you will prosper. If God be for you, pfft. if you know in your heart that God is for you, what's it matter? Anything else? What's it matter? What, what, the economy, what's it matter if God be for you? Pfft. If your whole family rejects you, What's it matter if you know that God is for you? And if everybody loves you, what does it matter compared to knowing that God loves you? You're going to get your value and dignity from what God says about you, His opinion, and we're going to talk about His reality. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about His reality. Uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory. That word glory literally may not the glory is a vast vast word it, all kinds of things but in a nutshell it literally is god's reality now we it's, it's strange to us but to see uh, miracles is god's reality it's the world god lives in signs wonders and miracles they're they're normal to god it's strange to us why because we're not living in his reality but guess what we should be living in his reality and see there's a reality in how God sees you and you'll find out in physics see another one of the laws of physics says that multiple realities can exist in any one situation you understand that multiple realities can exist in any one situation especially when it comes down to the issues of heart because reality to you is what affects you. Your reality is determined by what you see. If you have two people standing in the same room facing different directions, they're seeing different stuff. You're see, if I ask you to describe this room, what would you do? You'd describe this big white board. If I described this room, I'd describe all the faces in the sound booth. See, reality is subject to your perception. Perception is subject to your position. All, and see, all you will ever experience... This is deep. I mean, I, just, just, I hope, we're going to talk about more of these in, in detail uh, in the future, but what you experience in life is de determined by what you see because what you see has determined the reality that you live in. Your experience is tied into your reality. That's why you can have two people go through the same situation and experience two different things. Because they were in different positions. You can have a situation in the heart where somebody does something this happens 
innumerable times in church. It happens throughout your relationship with people. If you're dealing with people, it's going to happen to you every day. But if you're sensitive to an area, you've been hurt in an area, and someone does something not on purpose and does something and touches that area, this person, you can take two people. There's two people. One person does something. This person takes it as a positive. This person is going to take it as a negative because what they've experienced in the past, the condition of their heart, they will experience according to their reality what's in their heart. You understand? What are they seeing when they hear what they hear? And this... Here's the way we used to say it. You are... You know, some people think you are the way you are. No. Some people think you are the way you are because uh, because the way someone thinks you are. No. And it says, you are the way you are because of the way you think someone else thinks you are. Does there, do I need to do that again? Say, you, you are the way you are because of the way you think someone else thinks you are. That's how messed up we are. Because you're projecting what you think someone else is thinking about you. You want scripture for this? The spies. How many spies went into the promised land. Twelve. Ten spies came back with a report. What did the ten spies say to the people, the, the, the Hebrews? To the, they gave the report. What did they say? There's giants in in land. We are as grasshoppers in their sight. They didn't talk to nobody. They thought that they thought that they were grasshoppers. And so they ran and fleed because their reality was that they were grasshoppers in their sight. Two came back with a report, and, that, and in, in all reality, the giants were fearful. They were afraid of the children of Israel before they even got there. They were already in the panic mode. Two, two spies came out and said, we can take the land. But see, they thought that they thought that they were something that they weren't. And so they became weak as grasshoppers because of what they were thinking. Someone else thought that they thought that they were. How many of us are that way? We go to school, young people, when you go to school, college, grade school, whatever it is, you go thinking that they think that you're not cool. You're thinking for them. Give me some kind of break. I didn't know you were that smart. You don't even know what you're thinking, let alone what someone else is thinking. Just be us. Just be you. Be you who you are on the inside. Be confident that it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. I tell you, you get that one verse, it'll change your life forever. It will literally change your life forever. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Powerful scripture here, people. Listen to the truth of this word. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your... Does it say head? 
For the word to work in your life, it has to get in your heart. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health, wait a minute, to all their flesh. Wait a minute, look up here on the board. If the word is in your heart, it will bring life and health in your flesh. Does everybody see that? Didn't we just say that scripture earlier? That I pray that you prosper and be in health even as it's in your heart. Boy, scripture just confirms itself. Look here. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart. Now who's it talking to? Is it talking to the pastor? Is it the pastor's job to keep your heart? Is it God's job to keep your heart? Is it the job of the Holy Spirit to keep your heart? Is it your mama's job? Your daddy's? Uncle Buck? I think that's what it says. And Uncle Buck will keep your... No. You. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it, what is it? Out of it, your heart, springs the issues of life. That word issues can be interpreted borders and boundaries are your paradigm, the box you live in. The clothes you have on today is determined by what's in your heart. The way you feel about yourself is determined by your heart. Heart determines when you did your laundry last. You <laughs> that, that, that could be too, but why you didn't do your laundry was probably because what's in your heart. <laughs> yeah. Your heart determines the life you live, not God. Most Christians are waiting for God to come down and do something that He's already done. God has already given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. How much more can He do for you? I'm sorry, this is just the gospel. <laughs> Jesus' work at Calvary, He said, It is finished. We've been given the Holy Spirit. Most churches are still praying for the Holy Spirit to come down and fill us with power. <laughs> he already has come down. And the power is already here. <laughs> Most of our prayer life, I'm going to hurt some people on this one. That's all right. The reason we're not getting our prayers answered is because we're asking God to do stuff He's already done. Or we're asking God to do stuff that He told us to go do. Oh God, find some way. Just love my neighbor. <laughs> I told you to. Maybe he doesn't know my neighbor. Depends on how great she looks. Oh, God. 
Here's one. If it be thy will that this person be healed, may it manifest. What, what's up with that? It is his will. He told us to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons in his name. He told us to. And we're still asking him to. The reason it's not happening. You know why the world has not been affected by the awesome power of God like it should be? Because his church is still asking him to do it. We have, here it comes, we have intercessors too scared to get out of the closet. No. <laughs> we have people walking around saying they love God but don't ever touch people. Bible says, unless you've touched these, you haven't touched me. Oh, come on now. I know, the, I know it hurts, but guess what? Christ in you is the hope of glory. See, we've been trying, we've limited the gospel to what we can do. Why don't we start, why don't we limit the gospel to what God can do? Oh, come on. Listen, can't limit. Look what it says right here. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of your heart will spring the issues of life. The heart is the issue that we need to focus on in Christianity. It is Christianity 101. Most of us have had things happen. I had things happen to me as a child that if it, it was in today's time, my dad would be in jail. Okay? But it affected me to the degree that I'm still dealing with some of the issues. You wonder why I'm not a nice pastor. Well, I'm sorry. Blame it on No. Just kidding. Just kidding. Now, Joy's, I've said this enough that I can take it away from it, but there, there, there's a comment that Joy's dad used to make. It's your parents' fault you are the way you are. It's your fault if you stay that way. But even in your trying, it's not about trying. We mentioned it earlier. There's three things that produce change. Two of which, one is taking away negative, subtracting. One is adding, multiplying, adding two. And it's a process of your obedience and your ability to do this until something <coughs> stronger than you that overtakes you. You ever try to stop something, knowing you come up to it, it puts you back down. And that cycle. The third thing, and that's what we're going to talk about here in the weeks to come, is transformation. The Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. We're not about to talk about the transformers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No mechanical machines. We're not about transformers. But it says, don't be conformed. That word conformed means don't be changed on the outside, but be transformed on the be Be changed because of what's on the inside. By the what? The renewing of your mind. We have to change the way we think about ourselves. Number one, 
You have to change the way you think about yourself. Don't worry about changing the world. Don't worry about changing your neighbor, your wife, your husband, your brother, your sister, whatever. Change the way you think about yourself. Know that you're holy, accepted, and in His beloved love. Know that you're a son, a child of God. That you're the hope of glory. That you are royalty. Walk, walk down the street. Have you ever just saw yourself as a king's kid? As royalty? Man, all, you, you can't even say it without your shoulders going back and you got to hold your head up higher because the crown's so heavy. You know, it's like... That's the only way you can do it. That's the only way you can do it. You've got to use... And that's what we're going to talk about, meditation. You're going to meditate on the Word. We're going to find out what it really means. The Bible... Listen, God's day... This is kind of some of the stuff we're going to talk about. God's day starts... Now, you, some of you have heard this. That's okay. Don't ruin it for everybody. God's day starts in the evening. It doesn't start in the morning. The Bible says in the evening and the morning was the... So when it's just getting dark, right now is the beginning of a new day. When you go to bed at night, we're going to draw out all the scriptures, not all of them because there's so many, but some of the main scriptures in the Word that talk about laying your head on a pillow and having sweet sleep. How many people have ever had sweet sleep? Do you realize that you can act, the Holy Ghost can be working on you while you sleep? We're going to hand out, it's going to sound a little funny for a lot of people, but just, we have had, I'm not going to say thousands, I don't want to exaggerate, I'd be a good missionary if I did that. We've had multiples of people, we hand out, what we're going to give you a little CD called Heart Food. It's just food for the heart. It's music that we want you to go to sleep by. Just put it in your CD player and go to sleep. Yes, there's voices that you'll never hear. As sub, what do they call that? Subliminal. Subliminal messages. All about who you are in Christ and how loved you are by Christ. We've had people, their, their lives have changed just by going to sleep. Because they're feeding their heart. They're changing the way. I have people that have quit smoking cigarettes. There's nothing. Go ahead and smoke cigarettes. You know, it's not going to make you go to hell. It's going to make you smell like you've been there. But there's not. Okay? Go ahead. But I know people that realize that they shouldn't be doing that for them, and so they didn't want to do it. And they, with every puff of the cigarette, they said, I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And they've just reinforced the issue that they were the righteousness of God. See, they were confessing the reality of God. God said that they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's how God saw them. So they confessed it. And as they confessed it, they refortified it in their heart. And once they saw it in their heart, they realized that they didn't need to do that. They were getting gratification from that that was not coming from God. The only thing you should get gratification from is from God. If you're doing something in the flesh to get value and dignity from, it, you're giving it more honor than you are God. You should only want the value and dignity that you get from hearing that you're a son of God. 
Come on. Come on. This is Christianity 101. Knowing who you are in Christ Jesus and no weapon formed against you will ever prosper in your life. You know, we throw out that scripture about no weapon formed against us will prosper. Have you ever read that? Have you all read that scripture? You know where it's at? Turn there. It's going to blow you away. That's not the scripture. We quote it. Turn to Isaiah 54. We're going to read the whole scripture. Now, everybody quotes the no weapon formed against us prosper, and we stop, right? Mm-hmm. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. What are the weapons that are formed against you? Words of judgment. And the only way you can have a word of judgment is if you have a statute of law. The only way a judgment can be made against you is if there's a law to base it on. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. Why? Because there is no law held against you. But you've got to know that in your heart. Mm. We're going to be talking about positive, permanent, and painless transformation in this class. In Jeremiah 13, 23, it talks about the leopard changing his spots. Matter of fact, let's just read that real quick, since I got the verse there for it. Now we're getting back to the notes when class is about ready to be over. <laughs> oh, I should. Jeremiah 13. That's why we don't have notes, so I can't, y'all can't know where I'm at. Uh-oh. Christopher, am I on the right? Yeah. Verse 23. Can an Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard its spots? Then may you also uh, do good who are accustomed to doing evil. In other words, the answer to the question is, no, the Ethiopian can't change his skin, and no, the leopard can't change his spots. He doesn't have the power and the ability to change his outside. But with God, you can change your inside. Okay? With God, you can change your inside. Uh, This whole thing is going to be talking about the power of being who you already are in Christ, not becoming something. You already are complete in Christ. You may know what time it is. The what? 817. Okay. We talked about Colossians 127. Christ in us is the hope of glory. I really believe that is the core of Christianity. It must be the core. The gospel is not going to work in your life until you realize that it is Christ in you. And that is your power. That is your confidence. That is your strength. We talked about the word glory, how glory is God's reality. See, when you start believing God's reality, you'll start seeing God's reality. If you can see in the Word, the Scripture talks about looking into the Word clearly. If you can see yourself in this, 
the way God sees you in this, you'll never be the same. If you can start changing your heart to the truth of the word, it's not about you stopping doing things. Now, don't get me wrong. You need to stop what you're doing. But it's not going to happen. Okay, we're going to make it. Have you ever, how many people in here have tried to stop something and you couldn't do it? Okay. How many of you stopped it and it came back six months later? How many people have given up trying to stop things? That is probably the best place you could come to in this class. When you come to the end of yourself realizing that you can't do it. I, have, I had what I call a nursery experience. Uh, I'm, I'm fixing to explain it. <laughs> Not your nursery. I, I was a, there was a time in my life that everything I was doing was I was, be, I was doing under my own ability as a, as a minister. I was associate pastor in a church in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota. I was doing everything. I was youth pastor, nursery coordinator, dean of Bible school, uh, assistant pastor of the church, coordinator of missions. We did it all. Okay? You did it all. I did it all. It came to the point where I was just broken. I just could not do it anymore. I found myself uh, in the nursery. Everybody was gone. I was literally working probably 80, 80 hours a week, you know, just at the church, just doing church stuff. Uh, there was a, a time in the day where, I mean, this is a church that had something going on every day. And there was a time when no one was there, and I was in the nursery, and I just broke. I just, I just cried out before God. I was weeping and crying like a baby. If you know me, I'm not a weeper and a crier. And I was just broken. I just, I just God, I can't do it no more. And I'm not going to stand up and swear on a stack of Bibles that I heard God's voice on the outside. But I heard it on the inside. And he said, good. Now let me. And once I heard that, I said, okay. And then I only did, I wasn't worried about the outcome because I knew that God was doing what he wanted to do. I was always worried about the outcome. Every time I preached, I went, what'd you think? What's it good? What's it <laughs> now I really don't care. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm not concerned, but I'm more concerned about God's outcome. You know what I'm saying? You know, because I know God's doing things in people. There, he's proven himself many times over. When I thought I've blown it in a message, like, oh, that was terrible, blah, 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 in myself, that's when most people go, oh, my gosh. Oh, God. Oh, you know, that they got ministered to. It was great. I'm going, with that? <laughs> Couldn't see how it done. Couldn't see how it got done. Do what? Yes. Let's read that one scripture one more time in the book of Ephesians. Chris, we'll read that out loud for us, please. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 this time. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love,
may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, you can take that verse right there they just read. You're talking about to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. See, for you to know that, you have to first have faith in Christ in your heart. For you to have to, to, to be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ that passes all knowledge, to be filled with all the fullness of God, you have to go back up here where it says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. It has to get in your heart. You won't know, you won't experience the fullness of God. You won't experience, you won't be able to comprehend with all the saints. You won't understand the width, the length, the depth, the height. You won't know the love of Christ that passes all knowledge unless you get His Word in your heart. Keep it in your head. You still won't get this. The only way you're going to experience the life of God is by having the life of God in your heart and it will affect your flesh. It will affect your body. This class in the next few months, we will be dealing with how to reprogram yourself. There are literal things in your life that you can pluck out. You know, how, you know what deliverance is? It's where they cast out an evil influence, whether it's oppressed, depressed, or impressed. It doesn't matter. You're casting out an evil influence in your life. It may have plagued you for years. Well, the Bible says, unless you go in and clean out the house, it'll come back. What is cleaning out the house? See, most of us make a big deal about the deliverance. And someone's up there shaking, and, and that's great ministry. But guess what? We've got to clean the house. And, and that's what we're talking about in this class, about getting down into the heart, getting rid of the things that make that thing welcome in the first place. Jesus went into the temple. He kicked out the money changers. What else did he kick out? The furniture. The seats that they sat in so they weren't welcome to come back and set up shop. He threw out the tables and the chairs so they couldn't come back. Most of us go to big meetings, go to deliverance meetings, and we don't kick out the tables and chairs. And it comes back seven times worse. This is about getting rid of those chairs that make those things we don't want welcome. Making them so they can't come back. We ain't going to let them. Because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's what's going to be in our heart. Amen? Father, we thank you for this time. You've given us to be together tonight. Father, we give you praise. We give you glory. Holy Spirit, you truly are the great teacher. I pray that you'll somehow, someway, with the words that were shared... Your word that came forth, you will make it revelation in the hearts of each and every one of us here. May your word be effective and not return void because it got in the heart, it got in the good ground, and it will bring forth fruit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.